Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Old Testament. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll be using for the text the Joseph Smith translation of the Old Testament, along with many commentaries from general authorities of the Church, BYU professors, Bible scholars, and others. This format will be very detailed, and so if you want a deep analysis of the Old Testament, you come to the right place. Thanks for your attendance. Hi, and welcome back to the Old Testament podcast. This will be Leviticus chapter 7. All righty, verse 1. Likewise, this is the law of, or Hebrew teaching concerning, the trespass offering. It is most holy. In the place where they kill the burnt offering, they sh- shall they kill the trespass offering, and the blood thereof shall he sprinkle round about upon the altar. And he shall offer of it all the fat thereof, the rump and the fat that covereth the innards, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is on them, which is by the flanks, and the call that is above the liver with the kidneys, it shall, be, it shall he take away. And the priest shall burn them upon the altar for an offering made by fire unto the Lord. It is a trespass offering. Every male among the priests shall eat thereof. It shall be eaten in the holy place, or in the Hebrew, in a holy place. It is most holy. As the sin offering is, so is the trespass offering. There is one law for them. The priest that maketh atonement therewith shall have it. And the priest that offereth any man's burnt offering, even the priest shall have to himself the skin of the burnt offering which he hath offered. And all the meat offering that is bacon in the oven, and all that is dressed in the frying pan, and in the pan shall the priests that offereth it. And every meat offering mingled with oil and dry shall all the sons of Aaron have, one as much as another. And this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer unto the Lord. If he offer it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving unleavened cakes mingled with oil and unleavened wafers anointed with oil and cakes mingled with oil of fine flour fried. Besides the cakes, he shall offer for his offering leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offerings. And of it he shall offer one out of the whole oblation for a heave offering unto the Lord. And it shall be the priests that sprinkleth the blood of the peace offerings. Now the, the, the Hebrew for heave offering, and, and of it he shall sacrifice one for every sacrifice that is due to the Lord. 15. And the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving shall, he, shall be eaten the same day that it is offered. He shall not leave any of it until the morning. But if the sacrifice of his offering be a vow or a voluntary offering, it shall be eaten the same day that he offereth the sacrifice, and on the morrow also the remainder of it shall, he, shall be eaten. So there's leftovers on that one. But the remainder of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day shall be burnt with fire. And if any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings be, t- be eaten at all on the third day, it shall not be accepted, neither shall it be imputed unto him that offereth it. It shall be an abomination, and the soul that eateth of it shall bear his iniquity. And the flesh that toucheth any unclean thing shall not be eaten, it shall be burnt with fire. And, for a, and as for the flesh, all that be clean shall eat thereof. But the soul that eateth of the flesh of the sacrifice of peace offerings that pertain unto the Lord, having his uncleanness upon him, even that soul shall be cut off from his people. Moreover, the soul that shall touch any unclean thing, as the uncleanness of man, or any unclean beast, or any abominable unclean thing, and eat of the flesh of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which pertain unto the Lord, even that soul shall be cut off from the people, from his people. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, Ye shall eat no manner of fat 
of ox, or of sheep, or of goat, and the fat of the beast that dieth of itself, and the fat of that which is torn with beasts may be used in any other use, but ye shall in no wise eat of it. For whatsoever eateth the fat of the beast, of which men offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord, even the soul that eateth it shall be cut off from his presence. Moreover, ye shall eat no manner of blood, whether it be of fowl or of beast, in any of your dwellings. Whatsoever soul it be that eateth any manner of blood, even that soul which even that soul shall be cut off from his people. Once the fat kidneys, breast, and upper part of the back leg were removed, the rest of the animal was returned to the offerer. Upon returning home, he used it in preparing a feast to which his family, friends, and the poor were invited. Since the sacrifice served as a major part of this feast, birds were not acceptable because they provided too little meat. This feast became a holy covenant meal participating, participated in with joy and thanksgiving because it represented fellowship with the Lord. The earthly food symbolized the spiritual power through which the Lord satisfied and refreshed his saints and led them to victory over all their enemies. All participants shared in this offering. The Lord specified his portion, that which was given to the priest and that shared by the family. Therefore, all enjoyed the spirit of the fellowship fellowship meal just, just as all partake of the work of Christ in bringing about salvation to the faithful and victory over death and hell. To knowingly partake of the peace offering while it is while in a condition of uncleanliness was grounds for excommunication. One cannot be in a state of sin and be at peace with God at the same time. That was out of the Institute Manual. Verse 28. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, He that offereth the sacrifice of his peace offerings unto the Lord shall bring his oblation unto the Lord of the sacrifice of his peace offerings. His own hands shall bring the offerings of the Lord made by fire, the fat with the, with the breast. It shall, be, it shall he bring, that the breast may be waved for a wave offering before the Lord. And the priest shall burn the fat upon the altar, but the breast shall be Aaron's and his son's. And the right shoulder shall ye give unto the priest for a heave, a heave offering of the sacrifices of your peace offerings or contribution. He among the sons of Aaron that offereth the blood of the peace offerings and the fat shall have the right shoulder for his part or as a present. And for the wave for the wave breast and the heave shoulder have I taken of the children of Israel from off the off the sacrifices of their peace offerings and have given them unto Aaron the priest and unto his sons for a statute forever from among the children of Israel. The Lord declared that two portions of the animal would be the priests. The first was the heave offering, which was the upper portion of the back leg. The term heave means in Hebrew to lift off or remove. This portion was given by the offerer to the priest in payment for his assistance. The wave breast was the brisket or lower chest. This choice piece of meat, along with the fat and kidneys, was the Lord's. The brisket was presented to the Lord through the act of waving. To do this, the priest placed the offering in the hands of the offerer and then placed his own hands beneath it. They then moved the brisket in a horizontal motion toward the altar, symbolically transferring to the Lord, and then back again, representing God's acceptance of the offering and, the, and its transference to his service, uh, to his servant, the priest. 
Verse 35, This is the portion of the anointing of Aaron and of the anointing of his sons out of the offerings of the Lord made by fire in the day when he presented them to minister unto the Lord in the priest's offer, which the Lord commanded to be given them in, of the children of Israel in the day that he anointed them by a statute forever throughout their generations. This is the law of the burnt offering, of the meat offering, and of the sin offering, and of the trespass offering, and of the consecration, and of the sacrifice of the, of the peace offerings, which the Lord commanded Moses to in Mount Sinai in the day when, that he commanded the children of Israel to offer their oblations unto the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. So that's the end of chapter 7. However, I wanted to talk a little bit more about sacrifices. This is kind of the end, at least, of this section regarding sacrifices and the various things. Uh, I want to read something here by M. Russell Ballard. He said, Reflecting upon our church history has focused my mind on the eternal nature of the law of sacrifice, which is a vital part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are two major eternal purposes for the law of sacrifice that we need to understand. These purposes apply to Adam, Abraham, Moses, and the New Testament apostles, and they apply to us today as we accept and live the law of sacrifice. The two major purposes are to test and prove us and to assist us in coming unto Christ. While the primary purpose of the law of sacrifice continued to be that of testing and assisting us to come unto Christ, two adjustments were made after Christ's ultimate sacrifice. First, the ordinance of the sacrament replaced the ordinance of sacrifice. And second, this change moved the focus of the sacrifice from, from a person's animal to the person himself. In a sense, the sacrifice changed from the offering to the offerer although we know really, uh, in effect, that, the, that it was never really about the animal in the first place. After his mortal ministry, Christ elevated the law of sacrifice to a new level. In describing how the law of sacrifice would continue, Jesus told his Nephite apostles that he would no longer accept burnt offerings, but that his disciples should offer a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Instead of the Lord requiring a person's animal or grain, now the Lord wants us to give up all that is ungodly. This is a higher practice of the law of sacrifice. It reaches into the inner soul of a person. Elder, Elder Neil A. Maxwell described it in this way. Real personal sacrifice never was placing an animal on the altar. Instead, it is a willingness to put the animal in us upon the altar and letting it be consumed. How is it that we show the Lord that we have symbolically put ourselves upon today's sacrificial altar? We show the Lord we are willing to live the law of sacrifice today by living the first great commandment. Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. When we overcome our own selfish desires and put God first in our lives and covenant to serve him, regardless of the cost, then we are living the law of sacrifice. One of the best ways to keep the first great commandment is to keep the second great commandment. The master himself taught that inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. And that when ye are in the service of your fellow beings, ye are only in the service of your God. Sacrifice is a demonstration of pure love. The degree of our love for the Lord and for our fellow man can be measured by what we are willing to sacrifice for them. Remember that when John the Baptist uh, came and conferred the Aaronic Priesthood on Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery, he said, Upon you, my fellow servants, in the name of Messiah, I confer the priesthood of Aaron, which holds the keys of the ministering of angels and of the gospel of repentance, and of baptism by immersion for the remission of sins, and this shall never be taken again from the earth, until the sons of Levi do offer again an offering unto the Lord in righteousness. Charles W. Penrose said, Now as to the sons of Levi, spoken of by John the Baptist in his ordination of Joseph and Oliver, they are or will be descendants of Levi holding the priesthood of Aaron, who will make the offerings predicted by the prophets to be presented to the Lord in the latter days in Zion and Jerusalem. 
in Zion, men chosen of the Lord for the special work mentioned will be persons sanctified by the Spirit unto the renewing of their bodies. At Jerusalem, they will be Levites by lineal descent, offering the sacrifices that will be required after the restoration spoken of in Zechariah 14 and many others of the prophets of old concerning the restitution of all things. The Aaronic priesthood is a preparatory priesthood. As it was intended to prepare the nation of Israel for the coming of Christ in the meridian of time, so it is to prepare the covenant people of the Lord for the return of their king and the establishment of the, of the millennial kingdom. What Malachi is telling us is that as the sons of Levi were to do a labor to prepare their people for the coming of Christ, in like manner they are to do a special labor in the last days to prepare those of the house of faith to receive that same Christ. Thus, John restores to Joseph and Oliver the very authority by which the sons of Levi will be purified, and by which they will perform the same ordinances performed by their ancient counterparts. Amplifying what is involved here, Joseph Smith explained, it is generally supposed that sacrifice was entirely done away when the great sacrifice, i.e. the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus, was offered up and that there will be no necessity for the ordinance of sacrifice in future. But those who assert this are certainly not acquainted with the duties and privileges and authority of the priesthood or with the prophets. The offering of sacrifice has ever been connected and forms a part of the duties of the priesthood. It began with the priesthood and will be continued until after the coming of Christ, from generation to generation. We frequently have mentioned made, have mentioned made of the offering of sacrifice by the servants of the Most High in ancient days prior to the law of Moses, which ordinances will be continued when the priesthood is restored with all its authority, power, and blessings. These sacrifices, as well as every ordinance belonging to the priesthood, will, when the temple of the Lord shall be built and the sons of Levi be purified, be fully restored and attended to in all their powers, ramifications, and blessings. This ever did and ever will exist when the powers of the Melchizedek priesthood are sufficiently manifest, else how can the restitution of all things spoken of by the holy prophets be brought to pass? It is not to be understood that the law of Moses will be established again with all its rites and variety of ceremonies. This has never been spoken of by the prophets, but those things which existed prior to Moses' day, namely sacrifice, will be continued. It may be asked by some what necessity for sacrifice, since the great sacrifice was offered, in answer to which, if repentance, baptism, and faith existed prior to the days of Christ, what necessity for them since that time? The priesthood has descended in a regular line from father to son through their succeeding generations. Joseph Fielding Smith said, It should be remembered that the great temple which is yet to be built in the city of Zion will not be one edifice but twelve. Some of these temples will be for the lesser priesthood. When those temples are built, it is very likely that provision will be made for some ceremonies and ordinances which may be performed by the Aaronic priesthood and a place provided where the sons of Levi may offer their offering in righteousness. This will have to be the case because all things are to be restored. There were ordinances performed in ancient Israel in the tabernacle when in the wilderness and after it was established at Shiloh in the land of Canaan and later in the temple between, uh, built by Solomon. The Lord has informed us that this was the case and has said that in those edifices, ordinances for the people were performed. These temples that we now have, however, the Lord commanded to be built for the purpose of giving to the saints the blessings which belong to their exaltation, blessings which are to prepare those who receive them to enter into his rest, which rest is the fullness of his glory. And these ordinances have to be performed by authority of the Melchizedek priesthood, which the sons of Levi do not hold. The sacrifice of animals will be done to complete the restoration when the temple spoken of is built at the beginning of the millennium or in the restoration 
blood sacrifices will be performed long enough to complete the fullness of the restoration in this dispensation. Afterwards, sacrifice will be of some other character. So I just wanted to kind of give an idea here that uh, these sacrifices that Moses is getting uh, reference to here uh, may not all be done away, that there'll be a time at least when sacrifices again will be performed, although probably for a very limited time. Um, but it will be done as part of the restitution of all things. I bear testimony that these things are true in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. Bye.